0: Welcome to the backdrop, Untold Stories in Golf. I'm your host and co-founder of New Club Golf Society, Matt Considine. Today we have a something a bit different from our typical podcast episodes, because we are taking the backdrop and we are going live. Figuratively speaking. Actually, what you'll be listening to isn't live. It was recorded a couple weeks ago. But for those members who were there in the flesh, also figuratively speaking, because we were actually on a Zoom call and not in person, but for those members that were there, it was live, and now we're sharing that live discussion with you and your tiny earpods. Joining us for this live recording was friend of the Golf Society, Jay Revel. He also happens to be the author of our book club's first spring selection, The Nine Virtues of Golf, Essays, Musings, and Other Contemplations on the Game. We had a great time cutting it up with Jay, and the voice you'll be hearing a good bit on this one is not moi but new club contributor, researcher, friend, and occasional match play foe, James Sitar. This will be the first of many you'll hear throughout the year in this live series. In the past, we've had other society pals like Tom Coyne, Andy Johnson, and Dr. Joe Parent join us for the backdrop Live. And now we're excited to welcome back others like Jay Ravel, Ron Reed, who's the author of Starting the U.S. Open, and our next scheduled live guest. So lots more of these to look forward to. Something else I'm looking forward to is the hangout on May 22nd. It's our Chicago chapters first local event of the year, and we are kicking things off with a sentimental favorite canal shores, community golf course, Evanston, Illinois, bring your dogs, bring your family, bring your friends. We are going to have a great time. We actually have an official partner of the hangout this year, and it's another may event that I'm looking forward to attending the Evan Scholars Invitational is happening May 27th through 30th at the Glen Club as the rising stars of the Corn Ferry Tour come through Chicago. General admission to this Evan Scholars Invitational is complimentary, courtesy Serve Pro of Glenview. Fans looking for upgraded experience can purchase tickets to the Hangar. It's a premium spectator venue with food and drink included. Right behind the 18th green, you get to see all the action as players are coming through. Uh, right next to the first tee, right next to 18th tee. It's a great spot, food and drink included. For more information on the event, visit esinvitational.com. All proceeds from the event support Evan Scholars. They're the kids and the caddies who just make golf more fun. And we love supporting the Evan Scholars. You should too. The foundation's mission is providing full tuition and housing scholarships to deserving youth caddies. So get out there, go to the event, check it out. See you at the hangout. And without further ado, on to the bag drop live with Jay Ravel.
1: Thanks everyone for joining us tonight. Um, Second edition of uh, New Club Book Club. Uh, We have with us Jay Ravel, who's joining us from Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, He's a blogger. He's an author, of course, of the book, The Nine Virtues of Golf. And he's also a recovering country club president. Uh, He likes early evening rounds uh, out on the golf course with his dog, and uh, I wanted to just highlight this quote that comes from the introduction of the book, uh, which I think frames a lot of what um, Jay's about in his writing and what New Club's about. Uh, He says, golf feels like a bigger community today than before. As much as I enjoy writing about the game, whatever really, uh, what I've really come to the covet is the nearness to others who shared my sensibilities for it. The stories that I write are all united by a common desire to connect with other golfers who can't get enough of the silly, agonizing, painstaking, excruciating, embarrassing, joyful, wondrous, exhilarating, life changing, and fulfilling game. Please join me in welcoming Jay Ravel.
2: How's everybody doing? I uh, uh, it's been a minute. So I've heard those words from from that intro, uh, but uh, I'll tell you, it's funny, man. I just in the course of the last week, I've I've had the chance to interact with a whole bunch of different people. I was in Pinehurst for a few days and um, interacted with a couple of folks there, Joe Zwickle and Dave Bazen, and. Um, Tom Pashley and and uh, earlier today I, I had the chance to talk to Laz Salas for a while on the phone. I don't know if y'all know Laz, but you know just and then sitting here you know chatting with you guys. I mean all of that are conversations that if it weren't for golf and and really the internet I, I would I never would have had an opportunity to have probably and to me that's that's my favorite thing about all this and um, I can't get enough of it. So I, I appreciate y'all having me with you tonight. Be, we'll we'll have some fun with
1: it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what brings us all together. You know, is this, is this crazy game and, and our, our maniacal love for it. Um, so you fit right in. Um, I thought we would just kind of start off, uh, wondering if you could tell us, uh, how you get got into writing about your golf experiences.
2: Yeah. You know, so golf has just always been a major part of my life. Um, probably at times a little too major. Uh, if you ask, you know, my significant other, uh, who's sitting at home right now, pregnant with a toddler wondering why I'm talking to strangers on the internet again. Um, but, um, it, 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 it's just always had a hold on me. Uh, writing has always been something that I've loved to do. And, uh, you know, according to some, it's something that I have some skill sets at and, um, Uh, it's funny. I I never, I I always wrote a lot professionally. I I come from a background in uh, uh, the political realm, uh, mostly on the local level here in Tallahassee. And so I always did a lot of, a lot of writing there, you know, columns in the newspaper and ghost writing, lots of stuff for candidates and uh, different community leaders and all kinds of things like that. And uh, but I, I, for whatever reason, I never had thought to write about golf, even though it was something that has just, again, always really shaped a, a big part of who I am. Um, and a few years ago, I took a trip up to Sweetens Cove and, um, it, it, it was, it was like, it awoke some little corner of my soul, uh, that I, I'm not sure I knew was down there. And, um, I spent a whole day hanging out there and yeah, Scott's got the, the, the evidence there. Uh. I, I I just it changed something in me, and and, and I came home. I remember sitting in the in my boardroom at work uh, the following Monday, and halfway through this meeting, I was barely paying attention to, was uh, a, a whole page full of notes from my experience at Sweden's Cove, and it was just running through my head. And I I kind of went back to the office later and and sat down and started formulating that into some words and it just was kind of pouring out I mean it was probably a lot more than just that round pouring out but um, I, I ended up with this little piece that I felt pretty pretty good about and I didn't really know what to do with it and I had made friends uh, with uh, a young man named Ian Gilley who runs uh, Sugar Loaf Social Club along with uh, Harrison Lewis if you know those guys and uh, this was like you know when when sort of the the golf and Instagram and Twitter worlds were really all just kind of starting to bubble up. And, um, I sent it to him. I said, Hey, I I don't really know what to do with this, but, um, I thought I'd send it to you and see what he thought. And he really liked it. And he said, well, we, why don't we publish it on our website and push it out and see what happens. And so he did and, and it got a really, really warm response. And it, that triggered a whole nother feeling, which I was like, wow, that's, this is new. This is, this is unique. I mean, I was getting messages from people from all over the country who had been there. Um, Again, this was probably, you know, at that point, there were probably only a couple of real media hits uh, out there for the place. And um, it was, it was really cool. It was a cool feeling. And I said, well, I I think I'd like to have that feeling again. So um, uh, I think I happened to have had a trip scheduled a few months from then uh, out to, Monterey and played uh, Pebble Beach and Pasta Tiempo on that trip, wrote a few notes about that and um, had some similar nice warm responses. So I just kind of kept at and uh, kept doing more of it. And I go back and read some of those early things now and I kind of go, Lord, I'm not sure I would share that with anybody uh, uh, these days, but um, you know, it's been a growing experience and a learning experience and I've just loved it. And I, I've, I've really, you know, poured a, a whole lot of myself into it. And uh, I, I try to write some uh, some bit about golf every day. Some days it's only a tweet. Some days it's an Instagram post. Some day it's an essay. Some day it's a, you know, full-length article. It just depends on, on what's going on. And I've, I've been very fortunate to have a few good things happen uh, along the way. I've, I've made some good connections and some good, uh, uh, you know, networking through the internet and uh, again also fortunate that you know at the same exact time places like the golfer's journal uh, came about uh, McKellar magazine came about uh, and just different opportunities for me to be able to put a few words uh, into publication started arising and and just kind of stuck with it and uh, then one day I had this crazy idea to pull it all together into a or pull some of my, you know, greatest hits are uh, or, or some of my favorite pieces into this uh, little book called the nine virtues of golf. And I, uh, to this day, I've, it has just raced past my uh, very low original expectations.
1: That's great. And I'm glad to hear that you're, you're writing a bit every day, even if it's just a tweet, you know, writing is a muscle. You got to exercise it. Oh Yeah. Um, you, you know, you mentioned uh, writing for your blog and writing for other sites, and and a little bit about books. So, um, could you elaborate a little bit on on how you were able to turn uh, your writing, you know, these essays into a book? You know, a lot of us don't have a you know a background into publishing. We don't know how it works, and yeah. we'd love to hear you know, how your experience was.
2: Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. I I I was doing. I knew at one point I wanted to do that. And I, and I got, started having the feeling that I had enough uh, content together that I could probably give it a try. Uh, I had, I, you know, a lot of it's, I'm a big believer in AB testing. Um, I took a series that I did. Uh, I got contracted by visit Florida to I pitched them on this idea of doing um, a series called uh, hiding in the sunshine. And it was this, uh, you know, the sort of off the beaten path golf courses of the Orlando market. And we did, um, you know, winter park nine when it had just reopened, uh, a place called Rio Panar, which they originally had the old Florida citrus open at, um, uh, uh, what is the name of that little, place? uh, Mount Dora golf club, which I would highly recommend. That's a good little discovery down there. And, um, uh, uh, Dubstret right there in the middle of Orlando, uh, one of their municipal courses, which has a lot of history. Claude Harmon grew up there. All the Harmon boys grew up there. Anyway, I had done this series and I knew I wanted to eventually do a book. So I took that series and sort of went into Amazon um, independent publishing and started learning how to format certain things. And I played around and created an ebook with it that, you know, about three people have bought to date. Um, and it's, it's just kind of out there. I never really, really pushed it. It was more just to test that out, but I, I said, okay, well, I, I, I want to come back to this. I want to look at how I've some of my other pieces that I've got out in the world and see if I might be able to find a way to do it. Fortunately, there's a, there's a company here in Tallahassee called Roland publishing, uh, that I've done some work with. They mostly do, you know, a lot a variety of magazines, uh, regional publication type stuff and uh, but they have done quite a few books uh, Sydney Matthew if you any of you saw the piece that I have in uh, Golfers Journal 15 or listened to that podcast yesterday uh, Sydney's run a bunch of his books through Roland Publishing so I went down there and knocked on their door and told them what I wanted to do and um, uh, they were you know willing to uh, format the book for me Uh, so that all I had to do was upload it on Amazon and, and, and hit send and, and it was live in the world. It's, it's pretty unbelievable. Um, you know, nowadays, if you, if you kind of know what you're doing on that front, uh, you get it formatted, get your cover made, you can upload it right to Amazon print on demand. I don't, I never keep any inventory except for, you know, a few dozen around for, you know, clients and people that I interact with. But, um, you know, anytime somebody goes online to order one, they print it up uh, on the spot in Columbia, South Carolina, ship them all around the world, uh, which is really cool. And um, I've, I, I haven't looked at the numbers in uh, a week or two, but I, we're probably creeping up on about 1500 copies sold, which ain't too bad for, uh, you know, a little hack from Tallahassee, you know, who sat down and cranked a few things out of his keyboard while he was drinking whiskey at night. Uh, so it's been, that's been a fun experience. Now I will say, I, you know, I've done all the PR for it and all the you know publicity for it myself and called in an awful lot of favors with some friends I've made in the golf world. Uh, and, um, you know, I have gotten some really cool responses and it's been really fun. So, you know, the chance to sit here and talk with you all about it really, it truly means the world to me. Um, uh, uh, it's, um, something that, that, that I, I really treasure. So, uh, the book was meant a lot to me and I'm glad it's meant a little bit to a few other folks.
1: Well, thanks for that insight into the process. Cause I think a lot of us have been curious about, you know, how you do become a, a published author, especially in an age when, you know, golf books aren't just, you know, seen as being very marketable by like big presses. You know, you have only a couple people, you know, you maybe your Tom do- Dopes and your Tom Coins that are lucky enough to you know, get a book published, but uh, it's great to see that you're getting it into the hands of of people who, you know, really connect with your message. Um, Wanted to talk a little bit about the nine virtues of golf, um, you know, where you take the title of your book and, uh, you know, given your love of a a quick emergency nine, I feel like the number nine works really well for the number of virtues. Um, The ones you name in the book are uh, accountability, uh, integrity, patience, Humility, gratitude, confidence, generosity, respect, and wisdom. Um, how did you uh, come up with these nine?
2: Well, it's funny. I'm, I'm really glad you didn't ask me to recite those because I, I, I couldn't, but uh, <laughs> I probably should. Um, it,
1: an acronym would really help,
2: you know? Yeah, yeah, it would. I probably should have thought about that. Um you know, it's funny that the whole concept for me came from um, uh, when I was growing up, my grandmother, uh, when I was a a wee young lad, used to read me this book of virtues. And there was all these stories about, you know, uh, you know, the virtuous life, so to speak. And so um, she's probably said to me the words, you know, patience is a virtue a few thousand times. And her and my grandfather were very instrumental in, in teaching me the game and taking me to junior tournaments and all that kind of stuff. And so um, one day I was having a cup of coffee with this guy uh, who actually was uh, uh, in book publishing and we were talking about just some ideas. And I, I said, yeah, you know, I got this idea out there. Uh, um, you know, My grandma used to teach me all these virtues and, and, and actually used to tie a lot of them back to golf and I said, so I feel like you could have this book about, you know, the virtues of golf and it would be, you know, you know, be pretty cool. And he seemed to like it. So, you know, I, I went home and started kind of scratching out some notes and I, I thought a lot about my experiences in the game and um, things that I've learned, uh, you know, not only from her and my grandfather and other folks that i have been around my whole life through golf. And uh, you know, those were the, those were the uh, nine I came up with. And I, you know, I, I'd be lying to you if I told you I didn't want to try to get to some, you know, golf derivatives. So nine was a nice, uh, a nice place to be. And, uh, those are the ones that I, I really felt like, um, spoke to me the most, they were, you know, they're, they're certainly not representative of the golfer I am, but they do represent the golfer I'd like to be, um, someday, you know, it's a struggle, but, um, I kind of turned it into this, uh, little essay of sorts. And, um, put it on my website, press send on that one. And that, that was one of the first things that kind of went, uh, uh, you know, viral. I, I I got notes from literally all over the world about, uh, that and I was just blown away by it. And so, um, I thought the name was pretty catchy too. And I, I kind of told myself, all right, well, we'll file that away. and, And one day if we get a chance to do a collection of some of this stuff, that's, that's probably your, your title piece. And, um, uh, I, I think it um, has resonated with a few folks, so it's been fun, you know It was a fun one to write
1: yeah i I mean I really gravitated to that personally, and I know some others here in the in the room did as well because I think you know a lot of us have learned so many life lessons from the game, you know and it's it's not really um, I mean you learn them after the fact you know you look back and you said, okay i you know i I learned a bit of patience, um, you know. I learned what honor is, you know, through, through the game. Um, but it's really just seeing how that how that just happens while you're while you're out there, um, you know, just just having fun. Um, so I, that resonated for me, and and uh, um, you know, I'm I'm glad that it ends up being the you know the title of the book, which I think is really catching.
2: Yes, you talk about the kind of lessons in hindsight. Um... I've come a long way in my own personal, you know, golf attitude journey. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, anybody who plays this game usually at some point goes through a hot headed stage. Uh, and um, I probably had one, you know, while I was in high school, a little bit, a little bit of probably too, more, too much attitude as my grandmother would say. And uh, that came back a little bit in my mid twenties. And, and I, I finally, I think the thing that really changed my outlook on the game, probably more than anything was I read um, the first time I read golf in the kingdom, Uh, that that book, like had a real profound effect on me. And, you know, I think there's kind of two real camps of golfers out there. There's those who think, you know, that, that mysticism uh, in golf is is real and those that, you know, just out there trying to slam a six pack with the guys. And uh, I think all of golf is great. Uh, but I have found that, you know, when I spend time, you know, quietly reflecting on, on who I am and who I want to be through the game of golf, uh, I'm, I'm a much better person for it. And, um, so, you know, I go back and read those nine virtues myself a little bit, uh, from time to time and try to remind myself of, uh, you know, the direction I need to be heading in.
1: Well, Sure and i think there's you know one of the great things about golf is that there's there's room for so many different kinds of golfers right and and room in your life um you know it, whether we pick it up earlier or, or later in life um so much room for us to kind of evolve you know in terms of what what golf what role golf plays for us in our lives you know is it the escape you know is it the the, the pursuit of improvement um is it just to have fun um Is it a combination of those things? Um, You know, there's certainly a lot of emotional resonance that that comes to us through the game over time. And I really liked your essay about saying goodbye to uh, a loyal set of golf clubs. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, taking them out one last time, one last stroll. I've been thinking about getting a new set, and you know, I honestly have like this weird emotional connection to you know these (laughs) irons I've been playing for about ten years. Um, You know that feeling you get where, you know, you have this, you're excited about this new set of clubs, like you can't wait to try them out, but you also kind of feel like you're, you know, you're breaking up or like cheating on like an old set of loyal clubs. Um, You know, how did, how did you convince your wife that you need to hold on to these old, old (laughs) clubs? You know, for, for those of us with, with some space issues, we want some advice.
2: Well, (laughs) so basically when I was single, I had my own house. And it was glorious. It was like golf house, Tallahassee full of golf shit from ceiling to floor to side to side. And I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Right. I mean, I, you know, it's probably why I stayed single as long as I did. But, uh, you know, you go from having a house full of golf stuff to then having, you know, a room full of golf stuff to then having, you know, this little corner of the garage full of golf stuff. So then then the now I have this office, you know, downtown, uh, and this little rigged old house that like is where these things are now finding themselves. I got like six sets of golf clubs. I, I can't get rid of them. I, I, I cannot bring myself to do it. And, you know, go And, you know, there's a lot of memories in those things, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of time with them and, and a lot of, a lot of effort that goes into all those, you know, dings and dots that, that, uh, end up on those club faces. But, um, yeah, so I got a little corner in the garage where all my, uh, past glory lives. And, um, that particular set, it's funny. I actually ended up, uh, I let my dad borrow them for a weekend and he's still holding on to them. So I saw him the other day when I was over at his house and I went out and hit this, uh, six iron out of there. And I was like, man, that still feels pretty good. You know, it was, a, it was a good set. Um, but it's funny. I, 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 I had a really incredible year of golf uh, with that set of clubs. I, it was like the last year before I became a dad. And, uh, I just, it was like, I knew it was my last chance, probably till I'm in my fifties, you know, to really, you know, try to win some golf tournaments. And, 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 and we had a, we had a good time. Me and those clubs, we, we went on a lot of, uh, a lot of competitive weekends and, uh, had some success. And that day was, um, I think that was about, I don't Remember if it was New Year's Eve or I had to go back and read it actually. But it was pretty close to like the end of the year, and I had just got these shiny new mirrors in, and I was pretty excited about those. But I was like, you know, I think I'll take these old things out for one more walk and hit them pretty good that night. I made made a few birds and sat them in the garage, and uh they didn't really didn't really move from there until dad got a hold of them. And I feel bad for them now because dad ain't worth a damn. So uh they're getting <laughs> They're, they're having a hard time in uh, golf club purgatory these days.
1: You know, I mean, it's a good message to have, though, if you can hold on to your clubs. You know, I, I played a set of uh, titles DCIs for like 15 years yeah, or, and finally great. got rid of them. Um, people are starting to look at my set of clubs and wondering if I was crazy still playing them back in, you know, 2010 or so. But, you know, I'm glad I didn't get rid of them. I'm glad I, I, I tried selling them somewhere, you know craigslist or something and and there weren't any takers and i'm glad they didn't sell because now i mean i gotta find space for them you know in an apartment but but i'm i'm hoping to take them out from time to time and just see see what they're like you know um i don't know it's a connection to a different part or a different chapter of our of our lives you know and if you hold on to clubs for more than a couple years and i think it's nice to you know be able to revisit that in a more tactful way
2: I think sometimes um, that, that men are a little more sentimental than we probably let on. Like my wife, you know, I write her, a you know, beautiful, you know, sonnet for her birthday or whatever. And she reads it, throws it in garbage. You know, I'm like, uh, what, what are you doing? You know, like, don't you want to keep that and look back at it one day fondly and think of how wonderful I am, you know? Um, but you know, doesn't really, doesn't really do anything for her. But, uh, you know, I won't buy a set of golf clubs and she'll, she'll walk by. I'll be staring at them in the garage. So, what are you doing? I'm like, just reminiscing, honey, just thinking of, you know, past glory and, you know, dated memories. Uh, you know, just, I don't know why I do it, but, you know, there, there's a lot of afternoons, a lot of hours in those things. You know? uh, it's like an old car, I guess, you know. Uh, right, right. I mean, how many of you wish you still, even though they were, they were probably clunkers, right? And, don't you kind of wish you had your first car still, just just to go take it for a spin and laugh about you know the shitty music you were listening to back then, <laughs> <coughs> all the dates you went on that didn't didn't end the way you wanted, you know? Yeah.
1: Tape player didn't work, you know. <laughs> only one radio station on the antenna. Yeah. Oh yeah. That stuff, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So uh, we're
1: gonna um, we're gonna open it up to. Yeah, we're gonna open up to, to, to questions just a little bit. I, I have just a couple more here sure. um, before we open it up, but I uh, wanted to ask about your, you know, your chapter, the essay called uh, Scotland Down the Street. Yeah. Uh, I think that resonates a lot with us here at New Club. Uh, we're, we're a society named after a neighborhood club in uh, St. Andrews, and uh, we all kind of long for that closer connection uh, between our golf courses and our communities here in the United States. I mean, what do you think we could do here in the U.S. to make the connection between, like, community and golf courses more successful?
2: I think that's a wonderful question. Um, so part of my background, you know, I was talking about local government, right? I, I used to run this organization called the Downtown Improvement Authority here in Tallahassee, kind of a quasi-governmental uh, taxing entity. And, you know, we, I used to tell people my job was to make uh, – or our work was to make downtown work better. And, uh, you know, a big part of that was I-, I saw it as it was my job to help people either A, fall in love with downtown Tallahassee or B, remember why they love t- downtown Tallahassee. <clears throat> and, you know, I-, I try to do that through, you know, telling stories. Right. And uh, when I think about the connection between communities and golf courses, um, the places that I probably... Um, love the most without question in the game are places that have that really strong tie between a, 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 a place that people live and then this place that people recreate, right? And the lines get really blurry. <clears throat> so I was, I told you, I was in Pinehurst the other day. I, I, told, I told the president of the resort this, I said, you know, I, I think what makes Pinehurst so unique in American golf is that you can walk off the golf course and walk into you know this quaint little village uh, and settle down in a pub and talk golf all night. I mean, the place it's a there's a town there. There's a there's there is a there there. Um, and whether you're you know in the village of Pinehurst or even off in Southern Pines down the street, um, there's just such a golf vibe in those places that I think is is fantastic. And um, there aren't many places that I found in America that, that have that. Uh, although there's, there's, there's probably a few more out there than we give it credit for. But like, I think, you know, kind of up in, you know, in some of y'all's neck of the woods in Chicago, uh, I love seeing the posts and stories from uh, canal shores, right? I mean, that's, that's community golf in every way, shape or form. I especially love seeing it when, you know, the guys are out there, you know, cutting down bushes and burn them in the, you know, rough and shit. I mean, that, that is the coolest thing to me. I, I just, I think that's so fantastic. I had Christian Hafer on my podcast the other day. And I think the first photograph I remember from him that really made me stop and kind of just think, wow, okay, that's cool. That's different. There's this image of someone, I don't remember, it might've been him, but he's walking through, you know, the streets of Chicago carrying this gar- uh, uh, this golf bag. And it's just beautiful, you know, all sepia tone and beautiful and everything. Right. And really sentimental. And, um, I love that. You know, I, I grew up in this little town. We had a nine hole golf course, probably 3000 people living in the whole town. And for whatever reason, when they built that thing in 1962, that town fell in love with golf. I mean, they didn't have anything else to do and just people were nuts for it. I mean, crazy for golf. Like all the, everybody, that's what they did. They hung out at the golf course morning, noon and night. It was this, it was the heartbeat of the town. And so I grew up around this culture, you know, I grew, I lived out on the golf course and we hung out up there. I'd walk into town and get lunch or dinner and all this, you know, and it was all very well connected. And I just, to me, that was just life, you know? And so when you get out of that and you get out in the rest of the world and you see how rare that is, it makes you long for it more. So you, you look for places where that, you know, either exists or has the potential to exist. And, you know, here in Tallahassee, um, when my wife and I were looking for, um, our first house, I said, I really want to live in, uh, the Myers park neighborhood, which is where capital city country club is located. It's about a whopping, you know, three quarters of a mile from downtown Tallahassee. It, it has that old world feel to it. And, um, uh, you know, I can walk out from uh, out of the door of my house. Um, I, I go right down Camellia drive. I hang a left on Seminole and a right on old fort and, I emerge through the bushes out onto the uh, 14th Sea box of the golf course. And uh, I'm in my little, you know, nirvana out there. And I just, I love it. And, um, you know, to me, to, probably to answer your question, you know, what can we do? I think that the trick is, is that, and this is kind of what that story is about, right? Um, you're going to, you know, you got to live the life you want to live. And, you know, we don't always have the opportunity to go move to Pinehurst or move to St. Andrews to go and live it, even though we probably all would you know, really love to do that. And so sometimes, you know, you faced with reality, you say, OK, well, how can I just create that here uh, or somewhere near, you know, and you know, for me, it's OK, well, even though everybody around, you know, that my neighbors probably think it's weird that I, you know, or, or maybe it makes them pause that I would walk down the street with my dog and my golf bag and just, and just go out there and kind of live this existence. Um, until somebody tells me not to, which would be problematic for them, I think, uh, I'm just going to start doing it, right? So I just kind of started living the life that I wanted to live. And it's funny, all of a sudden, it makes you appreciate things so much more. If you just kind of say, well, I know y'all think this is nuts. I don't really give a damn. I'm going to go do what I want to do. I'm going to live this the way I want to live it. I'm going to play golf the way I want to play it. And um, y'all can just deal with it, you know, and, and what happens is it's funny. It kind of gets a little contagious. You start to see other people go, damn, I kind of, that kind of looks fun. And uh, you know, so we've built this little gaggle of folks that uh, live in the hood and and spend a lot of evenings out there on the golf course. And um, one of my neighbors is, uh, his name is Mel. And uh, he's a a lifelong bachelor. He's got these two little chihuahuas. And uh, every time I see him out there about sundown, I yell at him. I said, it must be Mel 30, you know, because he comes walking out about the same night every night, you know, same time every night that I do. And he's always got a pitching wedge with him. And all he does is take that damn pitching wedge and walk around and smack it and them dogs will run after him. Smack it and dogs will run after him. And it's funny. It's like, you know, so you end up having this little – community of us that are just you know spend our evenings out on the golf course and it's really fun and um, I love it you know it's it's um, making a decision to kind of go go forth and and live like that has been uh, a wonderful thing and 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 you know changed my perspective on a few things along the way and you know I, I started walking out there you know with Leon my labradoodle and having him play I never really asked anybody for permission I just sort of started doing it and nobody really ever thought to stop me. And now we got a handful of people that bring their dogs out there when they come to play golf at the club. So, um, you know, I tell everybody too, you know, it's, we're not exactly uh, flush with cash out at Capitol city country club. So, you know, they need the dues bad enough to let me get away with some of these <laughs> things, which is fun. So, you know, we make, we make it work.
1: Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you just, you just do it and, and ask for forgiveness later. Right. Yeah you know we, we we appreciate the mention of canal shores you know and the community connection there a uh, few people here including david gilmer have been uh, really instrumental in establishing the connection helping to make improvements uh, there for the community it's uh it's also the only place where i've been able to bring my dog out uh, on the course uh, i've got just a little guy who kind of gets a little tired on a normal uh, on a normal size golf course but you know public courses here in chicago just kind of frown upon it but, uh, you know, a common thread through many of your essays is the joys of having a dog out there um, with you on the course. And I, I'm wondering if you've heard from other, other people about, like, you know, making golf courses more dog friendly. Um, you know, is it, is it just a matter of just, of just trying it and, and, and making, you know, and just making inroads and, and, um, and asking for forgiveness later?
2: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, the other element of that is you, you need to have a somewhat well-behaved dog. Uh, you know, that old saying about, you know, it only takes one to ruin the party for everybody else is pretty true. I mean, I got a friend of mine he's it's pretty funny. He's a, he's a unique character. Uh, you know, that, you know, how, like, I feel like every club probably within new club, there's probably one or two uh, the guy that um, you know, everybody, you, you know, he's your friend, but, he's kind of really hard to root for. Uh, so this is, this is my buddy, Rich, and, uh, he's a just piece of work, hell of a good player, but really hard to root for, uh, his attitude, just really something. And, um, he got this, uh, French bulldog and we're convinced that he got duped and it's actually a Boston Terrier. So we've been telling him he's got a Boston Terrier and he's all fucking pissed off, but it's really funny. So he's got this little thing and, and uh, he brings that thing out there and he tries to, you know, bring him out on the golf course. And the dog is awful, awful. Just, you know, that, you know how they say no, dogs are a lot like they're humans. It couldn't be more true in this case, bad attitude, yaps all the time, you know, always up in everybody else's business. Like, well, that's his, that's his dog. And I'm like, I'm, we all like looking at him, like, you gotta quit bringing that thing out here, man. Cause they're going to end up shutting, you know, they're going to run us all out of here. That dog's going to bite some kid, you know, and we're all going to be out here with our good dogs, you know, stranded. If they ever kicked me out of there, you know, with Leon, I it would not be good. It would not be good. I'd have to move back to Havana where I can, you know, go back out there and play again with him. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, the, the number one rule is yeah. try to have a well-behaved dog. And I will tell you, you know, people ask me, like, how did you get Leon to be so well-behaved in the golf course? I spent – he was probably, I bet he was four years old before I ever took him on the golf course. Um, you know, but I used to walk him around town. I mean, for hours on end. You know, kind of short leash, keep him tight, just getting used to being near me and 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 listening to what I'm saying. And um, and he's a good dog and he's well tempered. But uh, uh, yeah, behavior is is pretty important in that game. So.
1: Yeah. And you're right. I mean, it's a, it's a responsibility that we have, you know, as, as dog owners and as golfers to, to set, you know, a positive example and not, not, not ruin it for anyone else.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, well that's, uh, you know, that's, that's enough questions for me. I wanted to open it up to, uh, to everyone else. Um, and if any of you have questions, feel free to type it in the chat or, um, I'm not sure if you could unmute yourselves, but if you want to, if you can go ahead, uh, Ask some questions. I know. Uh, I, I think Paul has uh, has one or two that uh, he might ask if uh, if he wants to kick
0: us off. Sure. Hi, Paul Wolman. Um, just a quick um, possible business idea. If you want to uh, write those sonnets and put them on, I'd be happy to buy them and uh, give them to my wife because she yeah. would ki- she ki- <laughs> keep them. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it strikes some good points. So
2: yeah, um,
0: So, but, but along those same lines is, uh, you know, and I kind of got the feeling since, since you've been talking, but the writing those poetries or those sonnets that that were in the book, just another avenue for you to write
2: or worth inspiration from those or. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I told someone the other day, I told a client of mine, this, I, I came up with a, a little line that she really liked for a project she's working on and, she, she kind of said, you know, I, how, where does that come from? And I said, well, I I, I I walk around the world every day and I get a lot of ideas. And I try to treat the bad ones just like I treat the good ones. I try to exercise them, right? So like if I come up with an idea and it's, you know, it, you know I want to come up with a rhyme about, you know, the pillows on my couch over here, you know, I'm going to give it 20 minutes of just kind of, scribbling things out right it's kind of what we were talking about earlier you know keeping your uh your your writing muscle exercise so everywhere I go every single day whether I'm in a meeting or I'm in an elevator or I'm walking across you know downtown or whatever I just am seeing these little things and these little you know revelisms start popping into my head and I kind of I kind of you know start rattling things off like I I, I have a lot of notebooks laying around too, you know, and I scratch things out on my iPhone constantly, and so some of those things, you know, were the result of me. Like, there's one in there called Daylight Saving Swings, right? And I literally was out there one night with Leon, and you know, I just we were just the two of us. I come walking off the HT box, and the sun's going down. It was absolutely beautiful, and I'm like, damn, this is. I mean, what what more could you want? And I just said you know, thank God we got daylight savings time. This is so wonderful. And, um, you know, later that night I had written that little thing. And, um, there's that one in there about, uh, golf is everywhere, you know, where I'm sure some of y'all have this same, uh, you know, mental disorder where you see golf holes everywhere you go. Right. I mean, I, you know, I had the damnedest thing happening today, actually in that poem, there's a line in there about the park outside my office, you know, and and I, I think about like, man, this thing's got like this almost like rainer looking green. It's just sitting there. I can, I can see it as clear as daylight. And the damnest thing happened the other day. I was driving through downtown and I almost got in a wreck. Cause like, I look out of the park and there's some total stranger out there. I've never seen before hitting golf balls in the same spot. I was like, this son of a bitch is just as crazy as I am. Look at this guy. It's like, he gets it. I want to go out there and hug him, you know? And I was like, Damn, look at there, poetry in motion. So, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a, I got a funny brain and I kind of, I think I've never been, you know, diagnosed, but I, I think I have a photographic memory. You know, like if y'all sent me a note in six months and asked me, you know, what everybody was wearing tonight, I I pretty much could tell you, Um, which is a weird thing, I guess. But so, like everywhere I go, it's like my brain is like, it feels like it takes pictures. You know what I mean? So like when I when I sit down later and I'm writing out some notes, it's like I, I I feel like I can just see it, you know, just like I saw it there and it helps me to recall some of the crazy ideas I had. If that makes any sense at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's just the creative stream yeah. that you
2: got and you turn it on and let it flow. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, never sees the light of day. I, I was going to write this. I, I've got it. Jim, we talked earlier about doing a little essay, you know, for y'all to you know push out and I've got something that's about 85% done, but I really got to be careful how I, uh, I'll give y'all the sneak peek and I'll send it to y'all can use it, you know, if you want to, but basically, um, I wrote this, uh, I'm in the process of writing this piece. It's called the Pinehurst Affair. And I'm on this trip the other day, you know, up to Pinehurst and I'm like, God, I'm like, I feel like I'm running around with my wife with Pinehurst. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like I'm, you know, like, oh, shit. I hope she doesn't see that I'm looking at it again on, you know, on, on uh, Instagram and yeah, I'm up there kind of, you know, staying in a hotel room by myself and, you know, playing these golf courses. And I'm like, I feel like I'm sneaking around. I feel That's what it feels like. But I'm, but I'm in love with the place. Like I'm, I'm truly in love with it. I, I, I there's not many places that would ever get me to uproot out of Tallahassee. That's one of them. And I told her the other day, I'm like, Hey, uh, honey. I was like, I was talking to someone the other day, and I hear the schools in Moore County are really great. You know, <laughs> so, you know I'm, I'm I'm dropping little seeds, you know, and trying to put one in her ear, and we'll see what happens. If I end up living in Pinehurst in a few years, y'all know why. But mm-hmm. uh, so,
1: well, yeah. we can all crash with you there. Then is that yeah. right?
2: Yeah. yeah, for sure. We need a little you know new clubhouse, Pinehurst.
3: Hey Jay, my name is Brendan Sage. I'm, I'm a, I have a little family time here in the background. Um, uh, <clears throat> I saw on Twitter that you uh, hold out for Eagle on the 14th hole. So tell us that story.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So Mid-pines, me, right? Yeah. Mid-pines, which it, how many of y'all have had that opportunity to play there? That is a fantastic golf course. We'll I, be, I uh, just,
0: We'll be headed there for the fall Founders Cup.
2: Oh, uh, uh, wonderful. Wonder, well, you know, drop me a line on that one. Uh, that is, uh, that's a magical walk. The first probably, what is it? The Five, six holes there are all on one corner of the property, and they're 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 good. I mean, they're they're really nice. But once you cross over, I can't remember if it's six or seven, you're on this whole back you know corner of the property, and it is it's just a magical walk. I mean, you're like going through this beautiful pine forest. The, the trees are way taller there than they are on um, uh, number two. A lot more topography. Uh, Kyle France did just a magnificent job renovating that uh, golf course a few years ago and uh, I was out there with Dave and y'all know Dave um, the artiste uh, Dave and I have become really good friends over the last few years and he lives a couple hours away so every time I'm up in that neck of the woods i call him and tell him let's let's go for a walk so we're out at Mid Pines having a lovely day and um, you know just one of those days where you kind of get lost in it you know I'm uh, I'm just walking around with a big old smile on my face and it was absolutely beautiful. Uh, again, I got a toddler pregnant wife and a rented house renovation going on and I'm up here walking through the woods and mid pines and I could not be fucking happier. Excuse my French, but I was just in a delightful mood. And, um, i I hit a, I was really banging my driver pretty well. I'm a little worried about it now because the good folks at Delta snapped that thing in half on the way home. But, um, the, um, I hit this just rope of a drive on the 14th hole and I had a, a sand wedge in about 106 yards, uh, hit it up there and, and I watched it land and had a little zip on it. And, uh, Dave and the rest of the team were already kind of, you know, nearing the green and I, I see it disappear, but I, the pin was in the back. So I wasn't sure if it had just gone over the green as they're prone to do out there. Uh, and I see the two guys both there, everybody throws the hands up in the air, starts screaming. And like I said, just put a big old smile on my face the rest of the way in. And, uh, you know, it's such a perfect place to, like, that's a good place to hold it. Cause you walk up the hill to the 15th tee and you got this just gorgeous view that you can see a ton of the property. And, uh, the 15th hole is probably one of the best in the, in the country over there. It's a great golf hole um yeah and you just you know you sit there and you think how lucky am i you know like what a what a wonderful what a wonderful feeling uh you know after that you're like shit i who cares you know i've leaked a little oil coming in after that but it, i always anytime you do something like that i feel like you're gonna leak oil because you're just like i just i'm kind of ready for that celebration beer here in a few holes and uh you know tell that story to somebody later but yeah thanks for noticing that it was was made for a fun
3: day. Uh, can I hop in here and ask a question?
2: Please.
3: Uh, so this is uh, credit to the fried egg. He says the you know the mark of a good course is is what's the worst hole. So yeah. you can we can't go Capital City because I don't think all of us know that one. But if you want to yeah. pick a couple of the uh, you know courses you played, whether it be Pinehurst or you said Sweden's, yeah. What are the what are the worst holes of those places?
2: Hmm. Alright, so I'm gonna I'll start with um, Pebble Beach. I mean anybody, who else played Pebble? Anybody here? A is Tiger Woods
3: golf Counter, or
2: no? What's that? Hey, Tiger Woods, Woods golf. golf, sure. Well, you get a feel for it. Uh, number twelve is a terrible golf hole, Pebble Beach. Not just nothing, not a good hole. Too long, too narrow, green, not anything really worth right home. But I think, I think Pebbles got six or seven actually, that are kind of very forgettable. Uh, you know, if there there's, you know, but there's also seven or eight that are all world. So it's kind of a weird mix. Um, Pinehurst number two. Uh, I didn't, I thought the par threes were pretty mediocre. Uh, to be honest, I think the par threes at Mid Pine's way better than the par threes at uh, at number two, uh, number seventeen. You know, the caddy was trying to. He was okay. He was kind of talking it up a little too much to me, and I'm like, it's not that great of a hole, man. I mean, I just like, look, I get it. I see what you're saying, but I, I, did, I wasn't impressed with that hole. There's a lot of holes that are impressive out there, but um, I, did, I did not like. The, I didn't think the par threes were particularly good at number two. Um, Key was, Key was, a, is a strong golf course. Uh, I, I've, I've played that a couple of times and uh, there's a lot of really good uh, holes out there. And probably one of the worst though, to me is uh, um, probably 17, the, you know, the sort of, sort of infamous par three. I, I just, I buried it last time I played it I feel, you know, I feel good about it. So I feel like I can criticize it with a, uh, a level head, but uh, to me, you know, a big-ass pond right in front of the green is kind of like, you know, like that's just pretty elementary stuff. Um, you know, sweetens, uh, I'm going to say number two is the worst hole at sweetens. And I probably get a lot of put some pushback for that, but, um, I know. I, I, I mean, it's like which kid do you hate the most? I don't know, but, um, yeah, two, you know, two. If you miss the bunk, I don't know, it's pretty good. It's got some cool elements on that green, but, um, you know, it's got that sarlacc pit out there in the middle of the fairway, and it's like, um, you know, as long as you miss that, I feel like it's, you know, not a whole lot to pack. Yeah, uh, you know, that's probably my my least favorite out there. If I had Maybe a tie between that and eight, although I like that green on eight a lot. Um, but you know, yeah. So every, everywhere's got you know holes that are uh, least favored and um, yeah, kind of fun to fun to, to dive into. I don't know if I sat here and thought about it for a little bit more, I'll probably could give you a, a couple of uh, a couple of better examples. Um, there are no bad holes at Capital City Country Club. Just FYI.
1: Hey Jay, Scott, long time listener, first time caller. Got it. <laughs> So you brought up Pebble. Have you done banding yet? I can't remember.
2: No. I saw a whole gaggle okay. of my friends going out there at the same time I was heading to Pinehurst, to, you know, for my affair. Um, and I just kicked myself for not doing it. I think we're going to go – so we got – our big guys group takes a pretty substantial trip every year. And uh, we're actually going to back to Pinehurst um, uh, in uh, June. June Guys, going and I think next year we're going to go to Bandon. We wanted to kind of wait for everything to. Uh, we talked about going yeah, this year, but with everything going on, we kind of thought we'd hang a little closer on the East Coast. So,
1: yeah, if you love if you love Pinehurst as much as you do, I think Bandon will be kind of eye opening for you. While it doesn't have the the city yeah. experience like a, like a St Andrews or a Pinehurst does, I think the golf there is probably
2: as good or better. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, a friend of mine was uh joe's book and i were having dinner the other night and he was just he's always raving about it and um yeah. i'm pretty eager to get out there I, I i i have a genuine fear of discovering some new places because i like i said i i when i fall in love i fall hard man i i push the chips yeah. in and it just oh, like yeah. i will around like you know moping around like a little kid you know like I just got to get back. I got to go see her, you know, and that's how I feel, you know, and, and so I have this like I'm scared to death to go to Scotland. I'm terrified to go to Scotland. I'm so scared I won't come back. I mean, I you know, I, I've read all, all the books. I've read everything there is to read. You know, one of my favorites is uh, A Season in Dornick. I love A Season in Dornick. You all read that? That is a fantastic book. And the thing I love about it is the book is mostly about the culture of the people in this little town and just, you know, how golf just is just intertwined in it from every angle. And I sit there and I'm like, yeah, that's what we, you know, Jim, we were talking about, you know, Scott, uh, uh, the, the essay I wrote, you know, I, I, I want that. I love it. I, you know, I don't need a whole lot folks, I, but golf is one of the things I need. And if I can live in a place that's got a little hooch and, you know, good golf and a nice breeze and hopefully a place for me and the family. Like I, I'd be pretty content. So I'm scared to go see some of these places. Cause I know it's going to be a, a bad hangover, you know?
1: No doubt. You know, where else is really starting to grow with that community type of event is, uh, Aiken, right? I mean, Aiken golf club just down the street and that little downtown area, you're starting Sorry. to see what you just talked about folks with their clubs walking back and forth.
2: Yeah. It's very good. I wrote a piece, uh, for um, my friends at McKenzie Golf Bags, I did a couple of little, uh, I sort of did this um, Jay Peterman type, you know, series for them a couple of years ago, where I tried to be this sort of, you know, I tried to kind of assume uh, the position of, of, a, you know, a, a golf obsessed, you know, vagabond a little bit in the riding, which I, I'm afraid I might have, you know, backfired and become it, but um my friend just texted me from from bandon right now he's in the pro shop wanting to know what i want uh which is painful um i told him i said send me a picture when you get the, to to the visor section before you leave and i'm like yeah, there he is uh so aiken yeah fabulous i wrote this little piece called carried away in aiken uh about how like i when i got there a couple of years ago i went to the first uh, augusta national women's am and my I was with Bob, Scott, and uh Bob and I were out there and we went and played uh thirty-six whole day at Aiken and I was just smitten, man. I was like, this place this feels like some little Heathland, you know, course on the outskirts mm-hmm. of London to me. And it, it just it it really resonated with me. Um and the fact that, you know, the town is just right there. I mean, you literally can walk up the hill and be downtown, I just think it's so cool. Very good vibes. You guys got Champions Retreat in, too, while you were there, right? I went to Champions Retreat uh, a few months before that for, like, a media preview thing, you know, scummy media. And um, we also, on that trip, uh, we went to Sage Valley, and uh, I was supposed to play Palmetto with Bob, and uh, I ended up having to come home because my kid got sick. So, um, you know, wife put the screws on me, and I miss Palmetto. But, you know, Hope Springs Eternal, I've I've heard – I mean, y'all play Palmetto. I, I hear that's, that's pretty primo. So uh, really good. Coast, South Carolina McKenzie number, you know, pretty good.
0: I'll, Jay, uh, hey, Tom. I'll oh. go ahead, Tom. Go ahead, Tom. No, if you, if you need to wrap up,
2: I know it's eight o'clock. No,
0: I'm no, up? no, you're good. You're good.
3: Yeah. So, Tom Coons. As as can. <laughs> I'm actually in the DC area and we have, I love the, the article about walking and doing it with your dog. We have this great course, this nine hole, part three, called the Schoolhouse Nine. It's a little drive outside of D.C., so you have to make a trip. You know, make it an afternoon, so you play it a lot. But it's great because you can take the dogs out there, take the kids, walk around. They have a great little pub with great burgers right there. Then, so it's it's a fun place. But it's again probably like a forty five minute drive out of D.C., so not something I can just walk down the street like you have. But anyway, I I just had a quick question. Love the book. I mean, how do you see like, again, a lot of this writing, you mentioned McKellar golfer's journal, all these things are out there and it popped up over the past few years. I mean, do you see this kind of continuing on? I mean, I've seen like golf magazine change this format in a good way. Golf digest is still really, you know, read it in five minutes, but you know, I I think all the other writing and everything is awesome. And you know, your book and others and coins books, those type of things. I just, I hope this continues and I just, you know, want to see it, you know, in the written format. I mean, love the podcast and everything as well. And listen and watch the videos, but I think getting this kind of writing out there, has been incredible. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts, kind of how yeah. this kind of progresses or hopefully continues to progress.
2: Well, and, and thanks, Tom. You know, I, have I have really wanted to go up to Sperryville and see uh, schoolhouse Nine. that just looks Fun. right up my alley in so many ways. Leon would terrorize that place in all the right ways. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, short answer, yes. You know, I, I think we, I think golf is. I'm, I'm a big, I'm an optimist, right? I, I love being an optimist. I like being a golf optimist. Um, not everybody is an optimist. I, I find that kind of sad sometimes. I, I, there's some people that I like and I like their writing, but they they come off a little little negative, and I don't. I'm not sure uh, uh, you know that's a good thing, but um, golf to me it lends itself so beautifully to the written word and our game really does have a rich history of of writers um you know it's like again I was having this conversation with Tom Ashley at Pinehurst the other night I said Tom this town has a history of of having great writers living here and I said you know again I'm you know y'all can see where I'm going with this but I was like, you really need to get the next generation of Pinehurst riders living right here, Tom. It's very critical to the success of the resort. Um, and um, and not, not that I should be included in that. But uh, anyway, I, you know, I think there's a very bright future for it. And you know, the Golfer's Journal, McKellar, some of these others, I think have proven that there is a market. I don't think it's a, you know, a, a huge market, but I think it's a growing market you know, and, and I think there's a lot of opportunity, um, that continues to be proven. If you give somebody something that's, you know, not very good, um, it, they they will respond to it accordingly. But I think, you know, what we've seen is that the quality of, of product, um, again, you think about the golfer's journal, I ran, there's a guy, um, blank on his name, but um, he's from Tallahassee he was a, 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 a longtime uh, assistant uh, senior editor at Golf Digest and he was in town I ran into him one night at the golf course and I said you know we were talking about I, I had just published this piece in the golfers journal and he said what is that you know he he, he's, he had no idea what it was and when I told him that it was, you know, $75 a year for a subscription, about fell out of his chair. You know, and I'm like, you know, they've been in this sort of, you know, race to the bottom, so to speak, try to sell $19 a year subscriptions. And, you know, it, it shows, I I think, you know, you want, um, if you want quality, no matter what it is, you got to be willing to pay for it. And I think that there are a, a, a large number of golfers who are showing that they're willing to pay more for things that resonate with them. Right. Um, so I, I think there's a bright future there. And I, you know, um, I, I, I do think it's probably though a more independent future. Um, I'm not sure your, you know, your legacy media in golf is going to be able to detach themselves enough, uh, from some of the, um, you know, clickbait that's out there, um, to be able to give, you know, produce really compelling things, you know, you know, how the, you know, like I, I think about the golf channel sometimes. Right. I mean, you know they do some really good stuff. Unfortunately, it's like ten percent of their you know overall you know um, uh, output. And live from is a great show, very well produced, and you know loaded with excellent little vignettes that are that's got good writing in it and good production in it. But again, just a you know four week, four or five weeks a year that's really you know relevant. <clears throat> um, but I think there's a, a future. I, I, you know, I, I look to things like, um, like the Kaisers, you know, who have made a big stake in golf places like Pinehurst, uh, who are, who are making investments. And, you know, I I think the next wave, you're going to see, um, if I were, if I were them, if I were advising those places, I would be advising them to produce written content, video content, the other visual content, um, that is really compelling from some of the, the most interesting voices in the game and presented through products that they produce. That's what I was that if I were them, you know, and, and and they have the Dream Golf magazine out there that's a really good product. Um, you know, they have Putter Boy magazine from Pinehurst, although I think they probably should do a few things a little different than that. But I think you're gonna to start to see more than that. You know, um we were talking about this again the other night, like you think about all these sort of collectives of um, content producers, right? Whether it's no lane up, whether it's, uh, you know, Janella and ship now are working together uh, the barstool guys, you know, there's kind of a little flavor for everybody and there's all these different groups. And the only thing is, is that, you know, when you're talking about it from the perspective of like a resort, like Pinehurst or a resort like uh band of dunes and the Kaiser stuff, you know, if they're going everywhere and doing all these same kind of things everywhere they go, eventually, you know, the message is just sort of diluted, right? It's like everywhere is good. Um, and, you know, we're all, everybody who kind of does some of this, I think is, is guilt is, I shouldn't say guilty of it, but it's just the reality of that, that business model. And what I would like to see is these places, um, you know, take on sort of writers and residents or creators and residents <laughs> that can really um, tie themselves to these places and tell stories with more depth uh, over time, you know, that to me would be, would be really fascinating. Like I, you know, dream job for me. I'd love for Pasha to call me tomorrow and say, Jay, I want you to come move to Pinehurst for two years and write a book about it. Yeah. I would love, you know, I mean, that to me would be the kind of thing I'd like to do. Um, we'll see if it happens or not, but. Uh, <laughs> You're making a good pitch for it. <laughs> no, <thank you. laughs> no time, drop over.
3: Yeah. We'll go we'll call them up. You know, there I'm you from say, North Carolina. So maybe I, you know, know some people down
2: there. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'll give you this uh, little uh, preview. So last year, uh, it was funny the kind of way it worked out. I didn't I didn't start out with this in mind, but, uh, you know, life's funny this way. So January 1, 2020, I started making these, you know, Instagram posts every day uh, that were, you know, anywhere from 150 to 300 words long. Uh, and what it was is I, I was trying to take a picture of something golf related every day and then sit at home at night and see if I could figure out a way to use that picture as a prompt to write something. And it was a really good writing exercise. It was kind of a way just to keep, you know, sharp. And I probably ended up, I didn't make it all year long life got in the way. There was this little pandemic and, uh, but I did come up with about 250 of them and I went back through them. I'm almost done with the editing now. Um, And I I culled out probably about, you know, 20% of the ones that uh, maybe were a little repetitive or or, or weren't my favorite. Um, But I've got a pretty strong base of them. And that's going to be my next book. Um, It's going to be called Swing, Walk, Repeat, Observations from a Lifelong Golf Obsession. And uh, there'll be a nice little picture from Dave Basden of me and Leon walking on the golf course on the front. And you can read it, you know, two or three minutes at a time if you want to or dive into it for a little extra length. And um, it's kind of, uh, you know, a, 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 a deep dive of these little daily revelations um, on the on the game of golf. Um, I think it's pretty much all my takes on the game in one book and, and done in a very, uh, you know, succinct way. So look for that, uh, you know, probably sometime this summer if I get my game together. Oh, I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> tell <They're> your friends. <laughs>
0: Definitely. All right. You, that's my cue. Let one rip. So yeah. there's there's one chapter that I had to reread uh, due to current situation. If you could hear my four-month-old breaking <laughs> down in the room just outside this door. Uh, I think you wrote this in 2018. So your uh, is, it, is it your daughter or your son? Yeah. Your daughter. Yeah. She's four.
2: Is that right? She's uh about three and a half now. Yeah.
0: So, so out of the, uh, the five bullets to you know, golf in the age of fatherhood is what I'm referencing here yeah. out of those, those five bullets. And I can recite them in case you need a refresher. Yeah, please do.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> play less tournament golf is number one. Uh, number two is forget about the score. Number three is make every trip a golf trip. Number four is find the course within your course number five is walk the dog. Yeah. So I think my question is you wrote that, you know, soon after becoming a father, um, three and a half years in, is, is that still the the recipe and does it get
2: easier? Does it get better? It definitely, well, it, it, it does get a little easier, although I'm about to be, you know, I got it number two coming in August. I know I'm having a, a little boy, uh, which is fun. So, um, uh, I'm, I'm willing to take any and all advice on that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it does get a little easier, uh, after those first, you know, really that first year is just a roller coaster. Um, especially the first half of it. So you're kind of still in the, in the throes of that. I'm assuming that's why you're looking the way you are, Matt, with the, uh, hair and the beard these days. Last time I saw you look a lot cleaner than that. Uh, but, um, the uh, uh, I, blame, I
0: blame the show. This is us. My wife had a huge crush on this guy and I'm like, you know what? I can do that. That's not is. so hard. All you gotta do is stop showering and don't yeah. shave.
2: Yeah, I can. I can be your uh Huckleberry, honey. You know, uh, <laughs> the um I think all of those things are pretty true, though. I mean, that, you know, and they all are pretty intertwined, Uh, you know, Yes, you probably should play less tournament golf, but you're also going to want to play less tournament golf because your game's going to go to shit, you know. Uh, the, um, you know, excuse me, I dropped the bad word when the uh, little one came in, uh, but uh, very cute. Um, I, uh, I definitely, you know, probably cut my, you know, tournament golf down from – I used to, you know, pretty competitive local am guy, you know. Um, I, I, now I pretty much only play in stuff that's at capital city. They're like the one day things. And then I get my annual, you know, member guest, John, you know, but, um, I, I, the one that I really like is that course within the course, you know, I, I, you go from, and, and again, and that relates very much to walking the dog and forgetting about score. You know, if, if my wife green lights me for, you know, 45 minutes of golf before dark, I'm out the door and I'm gone. I'm going straight to the course. I'm taking seven clubs and I'm going to try to get in, you know, about, you know, if I'm really booking it, I can get, you know, four to six holes in, you know, if I'm really just kind of slapping it and going. And um, that to me is uh, kind of a fun new way to understand your own, you know, golf course. Right. So um, like at Capital City, you know, particularly the places that were built, you know, prior to World War II, you have a lot of those connection points and those sort of like loops within the loop. I mean, I can hit Capital City on two holes, three holes, four holes, five holes, and find ways to kind of keep, you know, loop back and forth. And, you know, sometimes that's, you know, you're cutting over and, you know, teeing one up in a, you know, like it's a par three, you know, from from maybe just in the rough. Um, So, you know, you get a little creative. And I mean, that's really the big takeaway is you just got to get, get creative and use your time. And like, you know, um, you know, that, that idea about make every trip a golf trip. I mean, Hey, if I'm, if I'm traveling for business, I'm the clubs are coming with, I'm adding on an extra day. I'm doing whatever I can to just, you know, like I said, I love my wife. I love my daughter. I love being at home. I love the whole nine yards. I can't get enough of it, but every now and then daddy needs to go take a walk around mid pines. You know, like I need, I need, I have, and, and she can attest to this. My mood, my whole existence is better. Like I, I'll be in a good mood for another week just off of that. You know, riding that high, right? Um, yeah. You know, so that's a that's a cool thing. And um, we've got um, you also, and my guys at the club get on my on my rear about this. But um, I have you know tried really hard to encourage certain things, you know, certain group, you know, outings at certain times that are very favorable to my schedule. Like we have a tomorrow, Friday, uh, cheers to that. We have a Friday group that we started in the middle of the pandemic uh, that we play at 1.30 on Friday afternoons, a two-man net best ball. And it's been the best thing we've ever done. And it's still hung on. And we still get a big group of guys out there for it. And it's like now, I mean, I paced my whole week off of it. Like I'm like, okay, at 12 o'clock on Friday, I'm done with work. So I got to get it done. Like I, I sit up here and work late nights, you know, and my wife's like, you know, I'm really proud of you working really hard. I'm like, thanks, honey. I appreciate it. I'm really just trying to get that one thirty tea time on Friday. Um, and, um, you know, so you find, you know, creative things to do and, uh, uh, taking the clients out for golf on weekdays, you know, workday is a good move too. So that that would probably be the, yeah. if I was going to add one It'd be, uh, uh, taking clients out for golf on weekdays would be the uh the the sixth bullet. <laughs> yeah.
1: Jay many uh many a work trips have included the red eye back home from uh the west coast just so you can get that evening
2: oh, evening sure. round in. Yeah. No doubt. David, who's that kitty you got there? This this is my youngest one. This is Margo. She's gonna be two. My uh almost five year old's running around
3: playing monsters. So Love it. Hey, Margo. you say hi? Oh. <laughs> we we made a bet. My wife and I made a bet uh, during Tiger's master run. If if Tiger won the Masters, uh, her middle name would be Birdie. So this is Margo Birdie Gilmore. It was a good day for, for our family when she won. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah, we love watching golf.
2: I love it. I love it. That is so fantastic. Yeah. Too cute. Too cute.
1: Hey, Jay, maybe you should name your number two Pinehurst. Uh,
2: you know. <laughs> Jay uh, Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, <laughs> I know where my boundaries are, and they they definitely affect children's names. Mackenzie, you know, like Mackenzie. Mackenzie's good. You know, Ross. Ross is very good. Uh, yeah. So call him Mac for short. Hey. Mac would be good. Now you're talking. I usually say those for my dog names, you know what I mean? Like
3: hey Jay, uh just wanna real quick. Um I loved the, sorry, my son is singing in the bathtub. Um I absolutely loved the the article in the golf journal from 15 about your interview with Sid. Yeah, it was so cool. And I listened to the podcast too. It was awesome. I absolutely loved it. Oh, would you mind that. just telling like another a brief story about that, like the whole experience or like something that stuck out from, from that whole journey?
2: Sid, uh, yeah. Sid's a good dude. If y'all ever get a chance, he'd be a good guy to have on here one night and get him with a whiskey drink. He'll talk your ear off. Uh, he is a great guy. Um, you know, uh, I tell people a lot, you know, the stories I tell are, are you know, what I call Jay rebel stories, right. They're, Uh, they work for some not for all Uh, so one I appreciate that that y'all you know have read a few of them and and enjoyed them and um, you know I try to pitch these crazy ideas to the golfer's journal team I think they probably think I'm nuts sometimes because I I try to I legitimately try to give them things that that no one else is going to find and it's amazing to me how often I can find stories here in Tallahassee it's the damnest thing like that piece, I don't know how many of y'all ever got a chance to read that piece I did about uh, Tobacco Road uh, and Mike Strance and uh, that whole backstory. Um, that which was I, another uh,
3: great story. Uh, <laughs> thanks.
2: Thank it, it, I had a lot of fun with that, but it was, a, I was very serendipitous. Um, Forrest Fessler was, uh, lived in Tallahassee for the last, I don't know, 20 years of his life. And um, uh, was a good man. There you go. Anyway, uh, and uh, Forrest and I, you know, I, I knew he was, I knew this, the basic stories about, um, you know, he wore the shorts in the U.S. Open. If you ever heard that story, pretty wild, you know, uh, kind of to, to poke at the USGA a little bit, hopped into the Port of John and put shorts on on the last hole. I mean, like short shorts, really like 1984 shorts. Like uh, John Stockton. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very Stockton-ish. And, um, anyway, so I knew a lot about, you know, Forrest and he was played on the tour and all that. I had no idea about his relationship with Mike Strance. And I knew a little bit about Strantz, but not, not a lot. And I, I had lunch with Forrest one day because I was, um, the president of the country club and we needed, we were trying to get some bunkers built and Forrest knew how to build bunkers. So we were restoring these bunkers on the 10th hole. And, um, I had lunch with him and he starts telling me all these crazy stories about him and Mike trance. I was just blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. And, um, I wrote this story on my own about the two of them. And, uh, this was, this actually was a pretty big, as far as like, if I was going to tell you, I had ever having like a you know, big break. Um, I wrote this story about Forrest and Mike that was very much shaped off of, um, uh, What Forrest had told me over a couple of lunches, and it showed me a bunch of stuff that Mike had left him, and um, it was really cool. And the day that I sent that story to Forrest to read, that I published on my, you can find it on my Medium page. It's like nine thousand words long. It's it, you know. There's a lot of things I would change about it today, but I kind of left it the way it is, you know, for him. But the day I sent it to Forrest was the day he found out that he had brain cancer and uh, he was he dead. he was dead in six months uh poor guy felt so bad for him he was you know full of life and 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 a good guy and and got sick and went downhill quick but um you know a lot of those notes that i had from our text messages and everything else uh ended up becoming you know pretty integral parts of that story but um yeah travis hill from the golfer's journal Somebody had sent that to him and um, uh, I got a call from him one day. I was walking down the seventh hole of the, of capital city country club. and It's Travis Hill. And he said, Hey, I, I, I really like that story you wrote about uh, Forrest and uh, Mike. And I've got an idea if you're up for it, I'd like to have you do an oral history of tobacco road. And I was just like out in the fairway, like, Holy shit. Like, excuse me. All the kids gone. I'm just like, this is, this is incredible. I was like, because when I first started writing, I, I remember when the Golfers Journal number one came out, and I remember thinking I saw it, and I was like, it was like a siren calling to me. I was like, wow, I just started writing about golf, and I see this thing, and I'm like, this is the column. This is it. This, if if I could write for this publication, I will have made it. And um, you know, ten issues later, I was I was there, you know, and I was like, man, how cool is this? Like I couldn't believe it actually it actually happened. And, um, yeah, so I sent him a lot of crazy ideas. That story with Sid. Uh, it, uh, you know, the picture that's in there with Gene Sears and sitting amongst all this bare breasted, you know, Aborigines or whatever, wherever they're from. Uh, I saw that photo in Sid's office one day and I was just like, what in the hell is this? And he goes, Oh yeah. Uh, Gene gave that to me. Uh, uh, that's him. He's in, you know, Bora Bora or somewhere on the other side of the world or whatever. And, I just was like, man, this is the damnest thing I've ever seen. I, and this ought to be in the World Golf Hall of Fame. This is like a really wild artifact. And so I, I ran into Travis at the PGA show weeks after that. And I said, Travis, I said, I need to talk to you. I got an idea. I thought that could be a big hit story. Uh, Sidney Matthew. And he said, yeah, I know who Sidney is. And I said, yeah, but you don't understand. We gotta, I got to take people into that office You wouldn't believe the crazy stuff he's got. He's got stuff laying on the floor in there that ought to be in museums. I mean, just lay, it's just, there's no way for me to tell you how disorganized this office is. It is a total mess, total mess. And it looks like garage sale junk. But when you pick it up and look at it, you're like, oh my God, this is Sean Connery. You know, this is, and there's just stuff everywhere. And he's got all these stories. Anyway, Travis was like, we're walking down the corridor at the PGA show. And I literally said, stuff like this, and I showed him, I showed him the picture of that, those bare-breasted women on my phone, and he goes, okay, all right, yeah, that's pretty good, he goes, go write the story, and, uh, you know, that was how we made that one happen, and I bug him all the time with a lot of crazy ideas, I'm hoping that we'll, you'll see a few more of them uh, in the, in the next few issues, and I've actually got a digital piece that should drop, I, as soon as Casey Bannon gets off his tush and gets it uh, gets it ready to publish but i did a, anybody ever been down to um uh, world woods um just north of tampa so i did this story called uh we'll see if they keep the title or not it's called lost in the woods and it's all about uh the kind of crazy history of how that place came about and uh and how it sort of still remains a a, a sort of fledgling place but also a, a really unique opportunity for the everyman golfer, right? I mean, it's kind of the, it's kind of the band and dunes of, of people who don't want to pay more than $65 for a round of golf. That makes sense. Um, so that should be out soon.
1: Well, that might be a good place to, uh, to wrap it up, Jay. Thanks so much. Uh, revelations tonight, if I could say, say that, yeah. um, it's been really fun, uh, just hearing you, uh, tell stories and, and given some background to, uh, to your book, which we all, we all really enjoyed reading.
2: Well, I can't thank you enough for having me. It's good to see, you know, a couple of familiar faces and, 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 a few fresh ones. Um, you know, like I said, for somebody who's self published their book, very low expectations going into this whole ende- endeavor that I've been on for the last few years. This really truly means the world to me. I, I, I cannot thank y'all enough. Appreciate your reading and, and, and thanks for interacting. My favorite thing in the world, is interacting with people that have taken the time to read what I've written and uh, it, it truly means a, a great deal to me and uh, uh, if you ever make your way through the big city of Tallahassee Florida uh, give me a ring I, uh, I really love having people come through here show them around California city and uh, show you a good haunt uh, or two to get a good cold beer
1: yeah we know that your uh, first book is just the beginning we're looking forward to the next one it's called swing walk repeat is that right
2: I, uh, I, since I'm the only publisher to clear it I think we're going to stick with that one uh, but uh, yeah what do, y'all, I'm curious, what do you think about that?
3: I like it cool
2: I love there it there it is cool, cool. alright thanks bye so much Jay. Jay thanks guys I appreciate y'all be thanks, good thanks man have a good night bye folks thanks everybody
0: thanks so much for listening to the show this week if you are not a subscriber please do subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. if you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram we're at New Club Golf. This episode was produced by Mark Caldwell with research assistance by Jim Sitar. The backdrop is supported by members of New Club Golf Society and our official partners. The Evan Scholars Invitational is our official partner of this year's Hangout at Canal Shores. The future stars of the PGA Tour return to the Glen Club on May 27th through 30th for the Corn Ferry Tour's Evan Scholars Invitational. General admission to this event is complimentary this year, courtesy Pro of Glenview. Fans looking for an upgraded experience can purchase tickets to The Hangar, a premium spectator venue with food and drink included. For more information and to secure your tickets, visit esinvitational.com, and I will see you at the Evans Scholars Invitational.